Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, episode 24, Writing Comics with Jake Black. Fifteen minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm Jake. And Jake Black is filling in with us this week for New York Times best-selling author Brandon Sanderson. Uh, Jake, you are the author of The Authorized Ender's Companion, and you also write for Ninja Turtle Comics, and, and tell us more about yourself. You're a very accomplished man. Oh, look, I appreciate that. I don't know that I've accomplished that much, but uh, yeah, I wrote The Authorized Ender's Companion. It's the encyclopedia of the Ender's Game series by Orson Scott Card uh, in stores November 10th. And I've also written a bunch of comic books, uh, written various projects for the TV show Smallville, uh, written animation for um, Chaotic, based on the collectible card game, um, also Ben 10 Alien Force, Batman the Brave and Bold, a uh, bunch of comic books, Ender's Game comics, Ninja Turtle comics, um, Doing some stuff for DC That's Comics, awesome. Marvel. Now, yeah. After hearing you say that, I know that like a zillion people are already wondering how you get into that line of work, and we're going to tell them. We'll answer Next that question. Week. Next week. <laughs> we are going to do this as two parts. This week is the creative side of writing comics. Next week is the business side of writing comics. So, all those questions, save them for next week, or, you know. Uh, just be sad for a week. <laughs> you can post them in the forum, but we're recording we're two recording. episodes tonight. So it's this is non-interactive. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and start with uh, the kind of more nuts and bolts of, of the writing then. Uh, Jake and Howard, you both write comics. What is the format of a comic script? How do you do that? Let's toss this at Jake first. One of the interesting things about comics is there's no real set format that everyone uses. Uh, every writer uses their own uh, kind of format and style. There's a lot of uh, books that will show scripts that different comics writers use, their style. I've settled on a style that I like, um, but really what it comes down to is as long as your stage directions and your dialogue are clear enough for the rest of the creative team to figure out what's going on on the page, that's, that's really what matters. Um, so what's your style like? Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I don't want to say lax, maybe, maybe it's lax, maybe I'm lazy, I don't know. But my panel descriptions are re not real detailed, they're, re I guess, relatively detailed, but not down to every square inch of the room or the scene. Okay. I'll start with, it'll say page one, panel one, or actually no, I'll say page one, and then I'll do a description of the layout of the page. It's three tiers of panels with the top tier has two panels, the second tier has one wide shot, the bottom tier is three panels. Okay, so you are envisioning the layout as, yeah. you're, as you're scripting. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of comics writers will uh, do thumbnail sketches of what the layout is on the page. I don't do that, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I'm not committed enough that way. <laughs> but I also, I think it, it more comes down to the fact that I really trust my artists and my editors. 
um, if if they have a problem with the, the described layout of the page, I trust that they will make it better. They'll fix it. Yeah, they'll, they'll fix find it. a good solution. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. now this is something that uh, unless people are already in comics or have studied it, I don't know if they're going to understand. Uh, first of all, you say that there's other people you work with, and so in right. comics that's like an inker and a right, illustrator right, right. and a right, letterer right. and all of that sort of thing. And you're talking about stage directions. Mm. Uh, for for most of our audience who are prose writers, describe what stage directions are and and, and how you do them. Um, well, wow. describe what stage directions are. I guess it's just describing the look of each panel. And each panel, I guess we'll, we'll define panel too. Panel is the square box on the page that you're looking at. And if you have a, a page that's just one picture, that's called a splash page. Um, the, so you describe uh, what each panel, what each box looks like. And then you have your dialogue. And it's scripted like a play or TV or radio or dramatic podcast. <laughs> um, Keep, keep yeah, going. Sorry, I'm turning around. I'm gra I've got a stack of uh, Jake's recent work here, and one of them is the uh, Halloween, the DC Universe Halloween Special 2009, which opens with a splash page of Bizarro. Yeah, he's got he's got the uh, he's got the Bizarro world superheroes bound and gagged, and he's warning the audience, warning the reader that the stories in this anthology issue, it's an anthology issue, are very happy. And Bizarro speaks backwards speak, so it's supposed to mean that they're scary or sad or whatever. And turn the page. There's credits. Um, under the, you got table of contents that lists all of the stories in the anthology. And under each one, it has a huge list of the creative collaborators. Um, it says, like, Jake Black, writer, mm -hmm. artist is Abraham uh, Robertson, color done by Giovanni Kososki. I don't know. I don't know that person. <laughs> um, now, now, if, if we can uh, look at, let, let's, let's consider this splash page. And I know sure. you guys in Radioland can't see this, but it's basically, like you said, it's an, a full page illustration, and we're kind of looking over Bizarro's shoulder, and there's some faces in the in the periphery of the page. How much of that did you script? Did you t tell the artists, or did you just say, Bizarro's got some people tied up, and then they went with it? Well, I think what I did on this one um, is it's a it's a pretty good sized paragraph, as I recall. I wrote it several months ago because there's a lot of lead time into comics, and this this came out about two weeks ago, I think, two or three weeks ago. Um, I described it as we're outside the Bizarro Fortress of Solitude, so it's made of solid rock instead of crystal, um, and he is surrounded by um, Bizarro versions of the DC Universe, and he is reading the the comic book that this is. Okay, reading the book you're holding. Reading the book you're Very holding. Very cool. And this this page actually was a late addition to the script. Um, DC decided after I submitted it that they wanted it to be kind of the, what they call the bookend story to the anthology. Yep. So there's four pages at the front and then four pages at the back. And then other people did a bunch of stories, bunch of stories in, in between. And okay. you know, that, that really confused me when I picked it up the week before <laughs> Halloween. I, I knew that you had a story in there. I thought, yeah. oh, I want to read the Jake story. And so I picked the book up and, and read the four pages. I do not understand this ending at all. Right. I really don't understand this ending. 
Um, originally, it was, it was just seven pages, but when they decided to make it the eight-page bookend, the editor, uh, a guy named Eddie Berganza, who works at DC Comics, obviously, um, said that it was going to be the bookend story. So they were giving me another page to work with, and they wanted it to be a splash page introduction to the book. And they said if it could be based on the cover, that would be really, that that's what they wanted. And so I had seen the cover image, which also has Bizarro reading a Halloween comic and the D Heroes of the DC Universe. Well, awesome. Yeah, so Kay. I adjusted the script. Let's break for an ad. Let's break for an ad. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay. With Brandon out of town signing Wheel of Time books, it's appropriate for me to plug Wheel of Time books from Audible. I've been listening to the first five uh, Wheel of Time titles uh, recorded by Kate Reading and Michael Kramer. Um, fantastic audiobooks. They've been, been very, very engrossing. They're also very, very long, which is why I've only read or had five books read to me when uh, I'm sure everybody else is all caught up and can pick up The Gathering Storm right now. Um, so yeah, grab yourself some Wheel of Time audiobooks. Good stuff. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. And we're back. Um, now, in discussing that uh, comic that we were looking at, you said a lot of things like, you know, this is Bizarro's Fortress of Solitude, and so it's made out of rock instead of crystal. You're working with somebody else's IP. How much research do you have to do, and what fear do you have that there's going to be a bunch of fans out there that know more about it than you do? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't go to message boards anymore. <laughs> I, I really don't. They, they make me so angry because fans are so angry and they can't just enjoy the product. Um, but I'll probably visit the forum on writing excuses well, after this week. Naturally. Jake, if it makes you feel any better, sometimes I can't visit my own forums <laughs> for the same reason. So Yeah, I actually I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago on uh, jakeblack.com about fan mentality negative fan mentality. And I also want to be very clear, and I was very clear in this rant, that there are really good fans, really supportive fans, really positive fans. Um, it depends on the property that I'm working on, the level of research that I have to do. Okay. Um, I, did, I hadn't ever read Ender's Game before I started working with uh, Orson Scott Card. Um, it's a dangerous thing to admit. It, it is a dangerous thing to admit. I've read it more times now than any human probably should, <laughs> uh, as I was doing the research for the uh, Ender Companion. Um, but you know what? Coming into it cold gives you a really solid advantage over a lot of fans, because fans will read a book, and then they will tell themselves the story that comes next, or they will right. tell themselves the story that comes first. And that's usually where we upset our fans, is when we go and we write the story that came first or that comes next, and it's not what they told themselves, and, and they feel like they've been proven wrong, and nobody likes that. Yeah. Um, but you, coming into it cold, you were able to look at Scott's canon of work mm -hmm. 
and you know the whole body of work go through the whole thing and treat it as a research project lift out the salient points right. and see things that i think the hardcore fans are likely to miss now uh how different was the experience writing that book to writing the typical comic script well it took me about two years to write the book I guess that's not totally true. It took me about six months to write the book the first time, but then he kept adding books to the series. <laughs> like War of Gifts came out, and he did a bunch of short stories on his uh, online or for his online magazine, and then Ender in Exile came out, and so I was having to um, adjust the manuscript. And also, I was the resource, his continuity resource, as he was working on these other books to make sure that he wasn't going to earn the ire of the fans, as we discussed a minute ago. Now, how did you get into that position? <laughs> um, I actually, it was through comics. Um, about five years ago, I, I published a couple of comics. One of them was a Smallville one, and again, that was another intellectual property. Um, but I had a little bit more of an advantage on Smallville. We'll talk about that in a second, for a second. Um, but he was writing Iron Man for Marvel, Scott, Scott Card yep. was. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get my, my name out there. I wanted to get my portfolio out there a little bit more. So I tracked his email down and contacted him, um, asking if he had any contacts or anything that, or if I could co-write a comic with him. Um, and I said that I'd worked on a couple of other projects before, and he, he was like, well, no, but I just licensed my novel Worms to be adapted into comics, and here's the editor of that project, send him your stuff, and if they say it's okay, then you can do that. And so I did this adaptation, this comic adaptation of his, his novel Worms. He really liked it. It was actually a train wreck of an experience, but that's another story for another time, maybe when we talk about the business. Um, and he trusted me from that, and also my degree is in history, and he trusted me from that, and offered me the Ender Encyclopedia. And well, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I have another question. We don't have a lot of time left, but I want to make sure that we, yeah, that we, we get some. We can run to 18. We, oh. we, we can run over. Be prepared, <laughs> listeners. We'll run over. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I want to ask about characterization, and I think this will be a valuable thing for people who intend to write comics or scripts mm. or, or even fan fiction. When you are working on somebody else's property, mm -hmm. uh, what do you do uh, to really get into those characters and to show who those characters are, especially with something like you know, Bizarro, who's been around for decades? Um, Bizarro's easy because he's dumb as paint and just does everything backwards. So, <laughs> uh, But... In the case, in the, probably the hardest thing I did is I did an Ender's Game comic where I was working with Peter and Valentine, and nobody has spent more time in that universe in the last two years than I have. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, I was having some issues like picking up on the nuances of their characters. And it took a lot of conversations with the editor and Scott Card to kind of sort those things out. Um, are there any tricks that you have when writing dialogue or I don't or know, when, like when I don't scripting a, a scene. I don't really think that I'm the best at characterization, and that's probably the biggest note that I get all the time. Is you need to tweak this dialogue here to make it more in character. And when I get that note, I can do it. If I can figure out how to do it 
the first time. <laughs> you could figure out how to do it preemptively. Yeah, that would be yeah. really, really fantastic great. for well, me. Well, that's, that's why editors are so awesome. And right. this is where Howard says, luxury. Of course, you use, um, you, you, you have Sandra and you have other people that kind of fill that same collaborative role, at least in part. Isn't that in, right? In part, yeah. I, uh, I, obviously, I'm working with my own IP. So mm -hmm. when a character is changing as a result of dialogue, um, it's likely because I think the character needs to change and I'm adjusting the course of the, you know, of, of that character. Um, the, the thing that's different uh, between what Jake does and what I do is that I'm also doing the principal illustration. I'm doing all the mm -hmm. line work. I've now hired out the coloring, but I'm doing all the line work. And so I do my scripts right in the panels and I just sort of imagine the pictures and the scripts for me, the, the dialogue, dialogue tags, whatever, they serve as placeholders so that when I sit down to pencil, I'm like, oh, he's saying that. What was he doing when he was saying that? Oh, I remember what I thought he was going to be doing. Well, I'll mm -hmm. go ahead and pencil that. And then I'll start penciling and I'll realize, well, that was stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pencil something else. And so I'll pencil so, something so else. So do you, do you, Howard, then tend to do most of that uh, visualization by memory or do you keep little notes Oh, it's mostly for by memory. Okay. And, that works and that's, that's a really good point, though, that you bring up, is when you're writing comics, your characters can't really talk a lot. If they say more than 20 words in a balloon, it's, it, it gets really problematic. And that's, that's maybe the biggest difference between like prose writing, where you can you know, fill yep. up pages and pages of dialogue, and um, comics, where it's a visual medium, and you have to let your artist make the visual medium. The the balloons, the captions, all of that take up art space and the bigger they are, the less space there is for the art and it ends up not succeeding. I did an Ender's Game comic uh, a couple of years ago. It was one of the first comics that I'd done and it wasn't, I wasn't really conscious of that rule. I have balloons mm -hmm. where there's like 50 words of dialogue and so it's this really dense balloon yep. and a head in the panel. Mm -hmm. I just picked up a Conan comic where uh, there were narrative tags and dialogue tags, and they had broken it up because they only wanted, yeah, you know, 20 to 30 words per bubble tops. But there's a whole lot of front loading on that story, and it's the front page. It's, mm -hmm. it's where the splash page would go, and it's not a splash page. I still haven't read that comic because I get to that page, and my brain has to put on the brakes because it's covered with dialogue. And yeah. in that regard, it fails as a comic. And that's, and that's the same with the, the panels, too. You don't want to overload your page with too many panels. I try to have a maximum of five panels per page, occasionally six, very rarely seven. Someone like uh, Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen, has nine to 12 panels like on every page. And it's a sure sign of an inexperienced and I, I would say almost amateur uh, comics writer who scripts like that. Alan Moore can get away with it because he's Alan Moore. Yeah. But mm -hmm. a, a new writer, you need to keep the pages freer and more open, keep the dialogue. Like well, one of the reasons he got sense. away with it with Watchmen was because he was deliberately hearkening back to earlier days of comics right. when a yeah. lot of that syntax hadn't been established. Mm -hmm. right. um, it, it's the old adage that you can break the rules once you know them and you're breaking them on purpose. Yeah. Right. But when you're breaking in, then the other you need the other to place where I think you can break that uh, panel rule 
is when you're not doing multiple panels for dialogue. You're doing multiple panels because there is a key piece of action that needs to right. be described. And you will describe it as, you know, Superman swoops in, picks up the gun, kicks that, uh, pulls the blindfold off of that guy, and st st stops to take a picture. Okay, now it's Spider-Man. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but to have all that happen is going to be, it's almost like animation. Where right. you, and you might do you know, 10 or 12 panels on a page illustrating that. All right. Well, we are running far over time, so we're going to cut this. Please tune in next week when we will talk about how to get into the business of writing comics and, and how to succeed and, and stay in the business of writing comics. Uh, your writing prompt for today is uh, to write a story. You can do this as prose or you can do it as a comic script in which Superman swoops into a room, <laughs> kicks something undefined, and then turns into Spider-Man. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.